that happen. Thanks, everyone, for coming into this episode of This One Time at OU. And we are super happy to have Grace Corbin. <laughs> Thanks so for having we'll, me. Uh, yeah, so hey. Grace, tell us a little about when you went, what you did at OU. So I came to OU in 2002 for school, right after high school, and I lived in the dorms for two years. I lived in Brown, and then I lived in Crawford, both on the front four. And when I was a freshman in Brown, we lived on the fourth floor, and I met some of my most closest friends who are still some of my most closest friends today, which I think is sometimes how it just happens. And um, we lived in Crawford to get. I lived in Crawford with people that I met in Brown when I was a sophomore, and then we lived on Oak Street for two years for junior and senior year, and that was quite a time, you know, living in those what I lovingly call the student slums. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, like we were there, we had Palmer Fest, I think. Yeah, but Oak Street's right around there. Isn't yeah, that, it that was a. Uh... It's one street over, and we had Oak Fest, and Oak Oak was actually a dead end at the time. It dead ended into the, I want to say it was like the landmark building or something like that. Um, and now that's all changed down there. Oak's not a dead end anymore, I don't think. But I haven't been down there, actually driven down it in a long time. Yeah, and going down there, unless you lived in the uh, like apartments far out or going across the tracks. I mean, we were there. That there was a bar, the Hangar. But really, if you're going down that street, there doesn't really go into anything. So, I mean, right. the whole, it's just, yeah, that was always just everyone, fun houses, no apartments there either, really. Everyone kind of had a house. Yeah. Yeah. Good right. stuff. Yes, and, I'm sure it was high quality as all those rental houses are, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was the first time we had ever lived, any of us girls had ever lived away from our parents and not in the dorm. So even though now we realize it was a total piece of crap, it was really heaven <laughs> at the time. Right. <laughs> and we worked I got a job at World's Best Bagels. I don't know if I don't know if that was around here when you guys were here. It I don't know what it was called before that, but it was World's Best Bagels. And I worked I worked there for a while and then that got sold. Um and then I didn't want to work there anymore, so I went down the street to Bagel Street Deli and I um just really bugged them until they gave me a job. I was like, dude, I've been working with bagels for two years straight. I know bagels in and out. And they finally gave me a job. Did you know how to cook them at all? Cause I think like putting cream cheese on it would be easy enough. But That's like easy, but yeah, not, not the whole boiling and baking thing. I was mostly a sandwich assembler or a sandwich artiste, if you will. <laughs> and then I worked at the Blue Gator and the Import House. And I actually still work part-time at the Import House 12 years later. Oh, I may have seen you when I was there, Mom's Weekend. Probably, yeah. <laughs> that sounds right. <laughs> I was there with Emo, who we were talking about, uh, is actually the friend that uh, Tim and I had in common, and we think that's how we got to know each other. And um, she was a CASA employee for, I want to say, at least like 10 years. That sounds right to me. Yes, and then she's uh, we're also worked at the import house, and uh, so you guys followed a similar path and you stayed in Athens. What what yep. made you stay in Athens after graduating? Well, I actually moved away for about a year and then I moved back for a year and then I moved away for about a year. All pretty much for a man who is still a friend of mine, but he's not my husband. <laughs> I did I did meet my <laughs> husband at Casa when I when I started working here. Um and then I stayed for real. 
Oh, I don't blame you. It's beautiful down there. Yeah, and you and you got to go out there and live a little bit and come back and see what fits. And Athens just fit. And I always kind of considered myself more of a city girl overall. And then I met my husband and we bought a house and now I got roots down and I'm owner, part owner of Casa. And, and, and now here I am. And I wouldn't change anything in the world. That's awesome. I think in life, like there's some certain things I wouldn't change, like maybe the outcome, but like couple events I might change around but sure <laughs> yeah. well, that makes sense yeah story. I'd have to agree with that <laughs> so I've been well, at Casa now for about 10 years it'll be 10 years in just like a month or two I think which is crazy to think about uh, did you always love it as a student too you know I didn't actually ah. <laughs> my roommates all really loved it and I think my mistake is that when I first came um, my very first dinner at Casa, I got nachos for dinner, and um, we used to have those blue chips, which we don't anymore, and I don't know why I didn't like it. Maybe it was, I don't know what it was, but I didn't love it, no, and then every time we had a special occasion between my roommates and I, um, they would say, let's go to Casa, let's go to Casa, and I'd be like, okay, fine, but then I branched out, and I tried new things, and I discovered that I really love salsa more than I thought I did, and now I can't think of eating anything else ever. Well, that's not entirely true, but I eat a lot of it, and I love it still. <laughs> that's a desert island food for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, for me, it was like I never got, when I was a student, why people went there for breakfast. Uh-huh. That was always big among our friend group was like, oh, you know, Sunday morning, sleep in, and then go to Casa for breakfast. Yeah. And I was always like, I don't want something spicy for breakfast. <laughs> but now I now I like it for any time I can get it. And yeah, see, I think it's a kind of expensive too. Like like when I was a student, it wasn't it was like normal food price, which was like, oh, I don't know if I can afford that. Yeah, it's not like a three dollar breakfast, but it, it is. I mean, there are definitely affordable things. I'm not a huge eggs person generally, although our eggs are delicious because they're super fresh and local. But overall, I'm not a big spicy food person in general. So it's funny because a lot of our cooks, when they're making dinner specials and stuff like that, they'll ask me to come into the kitchen and have me try something and ask me if it's spicy so that they can figure out if they need to, like, market it as spicy or not because I'm the major wuss. You're the, you're the litmus test. I am. Um, well, a friend of ours, Roz's friend of ours um, that, that um, worked at the Casa, he said he always had a job at the Casa because he said, I make the best eggs, you know. As you know, no one really knows how to make good eggs. That's true. Was, isn't so? I was thinking, like, when I get scrambled eggs, they're kind of scrambled eggs. I wasn't. I guess an omelet's better. But you think there's an art in making eggs? What, Roz, what's your opinion on that? Oh yeah, you can screw up eggs easily for sure. <laughs> I, I I'm not probably, a cook. I can't make eggs. <laughs> I must always just screw up eggs then. But, but I like. I I don't know. Okay. So maybe I'm you wrong. just like them screwed up, and that's okay too. <laughs> I am a, a, a over overbroken hard me too yeah so that's and and I think it is hard to mess that up because all you have to do is break it and then flip it whenever really there's no yeah. real yeah yeah over hard's an easy one and then if you like burn it you just add more cheese yeah absolutely <laughs> hey can you tell us about the casa a little bit so when we were there casa was I don't think it was all that old so we were there in 86 or 90 or maybe 91 and when did it start so it was Casa Que Pasa first, and then in 1985, it became Casa Nueva. So if you were here in 86, you were fresh. You were the brand new customer in the brand new place. Which means new house. Yep. 
for all those non-Spanish people out there. Yeah, and it's funny because now here we are 34 years later and we're still new house. Right. But I like it like that. Yeah, yeah so it was really new, Tim, when we were there. It didn't seem yeah. like that. Well, cause, yeah, it seemed like a lot of people worked there. And uh, one, one disclaimer, we had a, a gentleman on another episode, and I, it was a little hipped out when I was there. There was, uh, I don't know, there was definitely a, a hippie vibe going there, which is fine. I'm not... But sometimes I thought it was a little over the top. Is is it still kind of like that? I guess the whole the whole sharing and ownership thing kind of and perpetuates that a bit. Yeah, it's not as much. It's not as like I don't know. I mean, yeah, we're we're all still, you know, we really are committed to zero waste and local food and walking to work when we're not feeling lazy and stuff like that. Um, you know, a lot of our to-go wear and stuff is compostable and things like that. But overall, I wouldn't say it's like ultra hippie. But if but if you ask someone who doesn't work here, they probably would say that yes, it is. <laughs> well, a lot of Athens is. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, we've been around a really long time. I was actually one in 1985, so um, sometimes it feels kind of weird when, you know, the older crowd comes in and they said, I, I remember when this was Casa Que Pasa, and I'm like, well, I don't, but I've been here for a long time now, and I can talk about it if you want to. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't have those first early memories. Well, uh, so you've been there how long? I've been at Casa for 10 years this fall, but in Athens for 17. Had, did you start? I know they have some kind of co-op ownership, and I always wonder how that works. I think being there that long, you know, if you, everyone, if four people bought in at 25%, I know there's no share. I don't really know how it works. But, you know, everyone's a little owner. I think after years, you would have trouble having room for all those owners. But how does it work? Yeah, so um, we've got, oh, around 22 of us as owners now. Um, and the process is a little... Um, it's a little scary and a little confusing, but once you, I mean, it's not confusing for me because I've done it and I witness people do it year after year. But so if you come in and you get a job here as a server or as a cook or as a dishwasher or whatever, um, which everybody does start off by doing dishes before they train out of that and into, you know, bartending or doing sound or whatever. Um, really? You have to start as a dishwasher no matter what? Yeah, there, there, it's... Yeah, wow. it's very, very rare that we don't train someone to do dishes. And if the and if and if for some reason we don't do that, it's because we really, really need a server or a cook. Right. They, they bring or a something. skill set. Your IT person. Yeah, something. yeah, but that's rare. Most people train to do dishes first, for sure. Just so they can do them in case there's no dishwasher. Yeah, partially. Is that the thinking? <laughs> Yeah, and it's like it's like listen, this is just where we all started. Everybody, even everybody who has worked here has done dishes. It's just where you start. And it and it's kind of cool too because, you know, people are helpful to the new people. So, if someone's back there doing dishes and they're not doing a good job or they're stressed out because it's hard and it's hot and you're all wet back there, then you get um, friendly with other people because they're coming there and checking on you and saying, hey, how are you doing back here? Let me put some stuff away for you. So that's really nice. Yeah, let me hey, let me go with you while we take out the garbage. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. <laughs> um, hey, but a that's question, cool. Uh, but when I was there, like there was so my friend who worked there and I, and really the people I know were, were, were through him, a lot of them and later on a couple others, but they were all kind of owners, I thought. And was this only because we were there in 86 and then, that was the model then? Yeah. 
actually, yeah. And and okay. it's not because we've grown over the years, both in our physical space in the building and in our hours and everything and just like level of busyness. Um, we need to have more people that work there and not everyone has the time to go through the process. So if you're a worker and you're like, hey, I want to be an owner, I want to buy in, I want to invest and I want to feel like, you know, I'm really owning my labor, um, you hang a letter in the back and it says, hey, I would like to be considered for trial membership. And you go through an interview process and then you get approved for trial and you go through all these workshops and you learn all about the finances and you go to all the committees that are that, you know, we've got like 10 or 15 committees, you know, menu development, marketing, cantina operations, food stuff. Um, and then you go through all that stuff and then you put up a letter that says, I want to be a full member. And then you go through a little interview process again and then you get approved or you don't, but it's rare that you don't. Is there, is there a, a, a cost? To, like, I mean, you don't have to say the figures, but are you buying into it? And also, are there more people asking to be a part of it than you have slots? Um, no, there's no limit to slots. Actually, a lot of us owners uh, really would like it to be 100% worker-owned still. A lot of a lot of the members who were members when it was fully owned, uh, when everyone was an owner, they really would like to see it return to that. It's just not really feasible because we have so many employees, and some of them are students and stuff like that. So the student thing is probably what – I mean, all yeah. the people I know there, I, I would say uh, there's probably one or two in Athens that they uh, – might still be there. Yeah, I think but, there was a guy who started that was that I think we went and saw the last time we were there. I don't I don't remember exactly. It's probably Rex. Does he have a little bakery shop too? No, uh. Uh-uh. Or some kind of other kind of shop. Oh, okay. Bobo Bobo probably. Yeah, that sounds like the Bobo. Yeah, he owns Village Bakery. He yeah, he left before I before I came. But there is a monetary buy-in for sure. Um and you get interest on it and you get it back when you leave. If if and when you ever leave. Yeah, I want to join, but PS I don't like Mexican food. So I wouldn't get far. I really do like it. <laughs> it's okay. When I worked at Bagel Street Deli, the one of my co-manager didn't like bagels at all. You well, got, you you're not bring tempted to eat the yeah. The yeah, that's merchandise. Good, yeah. <laughs> for, for Halloween, I always buy candy I don't like just for that reason. Sure. <laughs> and I love uh, that there's no tipping because of the whole worker owner thing. Is that still the yeah, case? Yeah. So, um, so we used to uh, we used to take tips, and then we would pool all the tips for any given pay period, and then take that total and divide it up by the number of labor hours. So you got your base wage and you got a tip wage. So in 2012, the FLSA came in, the Fair Labor Standards Act people came in, and they said, you're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to, quote, force traditionally tipped employees, like servers and bartenders, to share their earned tips with non-traditionally tipped employees, like cooks and dishwashers. Well, we'd been doing that the whole time that we've been in existence, and we didn't want to make things unequitable being a co-op. So rather than um, take tips and only give them to the people that brought them in basically we raised our prices a little bit and now we just take 20 percent of our sales and we split it up the exact same way so you still have a base wage and you have a variable wage that's 20 percent of sales which is about what a tip would be so we do it basically the same way it's just a little weirder people are kind of put off by it sometimes like people are like wait i can't tip you no no i'm good we're good we we we're fine they're like but that feels so wrong and sometimes my response is well it's just very european Right. I like that. And in fact, when I was in Europe last summer, I really liked that too, because 
I could ask anybody walking by for anything. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like you only had your waiter or waitress. You yeah. Know, it was like anybody would help you just, you know, flag someone down. Rod's like, I'm needy. I want someone here all the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> I liked that aspect of it, that it wasn't like, oh, where's my waitress? I could bug anybody. Yeah. And we're, <laughs> we definitely function as a team like that here when we're at our best. Yeah, I never tip in Italian restaurants for the same reason. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, Not in well, America, except yeah. for Casa. <laughs> that is good, but is it, you know kind of related? I was I heard somewhere that they're taking a look at uh, people who really waiters and wait, waitresses who um, receive tips now that they're kind of they're, they're not making up with the rest of the economy. Have you heard, read about that? And your model would show, hey, yeah, we're ahead of the game. They're not making up with the rest of the economy, and this is a great way of doing it. You mean like earnings-wise? Yeah, I think so. And then uh, I think there's some proposed tax bills that can't change it. But there was a couple places I saw it that they were. Oh yeah, there's definitely because places do pool tips, but they only pool them around among the front of house staff and service staff, which they are still allowed to do. But some people don't really like that model. Both employers and employees don't really like that model because it still seems a little unfair. Like if you have someone really great on shift and someone that's not that great, then they're sharing and they might not balance each other out necessarily right there's no incentive for get ahead there but what about if someone leaves tips because i'm sure there's people that say, oh, oh yeah shipping, and they leave a 20 dollar bill yes so, like what do you guys do with that you keep that nope we uh pick a different charitable organization that's a local organization a 501c3 nonprofit. every month we collect all the left we don't call it tips even we call it the left behind money and we collect it and then we write them a check at the end of the month and we just pick a different one every month and they people reach out to us and they say, hey, we're a 501c3. We'd love to be considered to be one of your customer donation recipients. How do we get on that list? And we choose them about a year at a time and it's a pretty simple process. And the left behind money only counts if it's cash. So if you have a credit card slip with a tip line on it, which we can't figure, we can't, uh, ours, our, our credit card slips have tip lines on them. And because we use a restaurant POS system, it can't go away or else it would go away for everyone who had that. If people leave it on the credit card slip, nothing happens. We just don't enter them. And it's funny because I'll say to someone, they're like, what if I want to leave a tip? And I say, you can leave, you can write down a million dollars on that tip line and nothing will happen with it. But only one person has ever had the guts to actually take me up on that because everyone's scared that they're actually accidentally (laughs) going to really tip a million bucks. (laughs) <laughs> did you check the guy's bank account or gal's bank account before you did it to make sure, like, maybe I should, then I really have to decide. I know they have the money. <laughs> <laughs> if only, right? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I want to be that. a member now and an owner because this, <laughs> everything you said is fantastic. I didn't realize this. So, yeah, I was all wrong. Everyone's, like, over the top nice i'm like i can see why what it turned into what a good what a good job yeah i really love it i really love working here um you know every place every workplace has its challenges one way or another but uh i really feel like we work together and work hard to solve problems internally and you never feel like you're not being heard really oh my gosh people wait so long like Mother's Weekend was like a three-hour Oh, wait. my gosh. I know. That place I'm usually, is so popular. I'm usually the hostess at the podium telling people that really super long-ass wait time. And it is what it is. I just try to be nice about it and state it as a fact. And hopefully they'll either sit down and have a beer and some nachos while they wait. Or they'll leave and come back. Or they'll come back the next day. But, yeah, Mom's Weekend is definitely the most bananas weekend of all time. 
Yeah, but you give them a buzzer, so it's uh-huh. kind of nice. Because so we would get a buzzer, and then we just like went bar hopping for three hours. Yeah, and then we were really ready for some food. Yeah, that by the time. Like, everyone loves it. You're so hungry by then. You're like, oh, right. Yeah, mostly <laughs> the food yeah, is so good. Lots of times, people will sit in our in our bar here in our cantina, or they'll go to Tony's across the street. And if they go to Tony's, we're like, just sit close to the door so that you'll your pager will still will still get the signal and buzz and tell you when your dinner's ready. Or when yes. your table's ready, I guess. Grace, Roz, and I are both big Tony's fans. Oh, my gosh. Who isn't a big Tony's fan? <laughs> right. Someone who's never been. I lived that, above that, there the off and reason. on for seven years, and I loved every second of it. <laughs> we were talking about that before because I, I, I knew someone that lived there, but we always uh, – I only knew out of the five years I was there, I only knew one person that lived above there. And it seemed what, like an ideal place. Was it JJ? Tony's. No. This okay. Was, the guy's name was Jed. But okay. It wasn't Jay. I don't know. Well, what? I don't know how long he's lived there, but I had to ask, you know. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> JJ, you know, I want to ask. Um, speaking of al- about alcohol, when I was there a couple years ago, I noticed uh, the infused vodka. Oh yeah. What? What's that all about? Are they homemade? I mean, I was yes, blown away so good. that you guys had that. Yeah, so we've been doing it for a long time, and a lot of bars around Athens have picked it up now, which is, at first, I was kind of like, what the heck? Everyone's just doing what we do, but everywhere does their own different twist on it, which is kind of cool. Tony's even does it now. But yeah, we wow. just take like a, I think the jars are like one or two gallons, and we fill it up with regular old vodka and we put a bunch of stuff in there like pineapple or cucumber or chipotle peppers or coffee beans or mixed berries and you let it sit uh, my favorite one is crystallized ginger actually that one's the best um Ooh. oh my gosh it's so good it but you let it sit for about 48 hours at the least at least we try to because if we run out we just bring it out early no big deal you can still taste it uh, but you let it sit for about 48 hours and then you have this delicious twist on vodka and then we just make all kinds of crazy cocktails out of it like my favorite's the john daly which is our mixed berry infused vodka with pink lemonade and iced tea so it's kind of like an arnold palmer but with with mixed berry vodka it's good the adult palmer yes hey back on the vodka the ginger one so if i have like some crystallized ginger i could drop it in a bottle of vodka yeah two days and it's I'm good to go. Yeah, the I don't know if we I I believe we tried regular non-crystallized ginger first and I think the crystallized is nice because it gives it a little bit of a sweetness and syrupiness to it. I mean, unless you put in way too much then it's just going to be like vodka syrup. Um, but yeah, it's really good and I really like to chill it and just have a shot sometimes like after a really stressful shift, but it makes a really nice cocktail too. Ah, uh, that's call me in 48 hours. <laughs> I know. I just feel like Casa was such a trendsetter of so many things, you know, the uh, in, including the infused vodka. Yeah. Well, even locally sourced was a big thing when we were there, Roz. I, people weren't really doing that. Oh my gosh! Right? Everybody does it now. It's such a. It's such, which is cool because it's the norm. You know, like everyone cares. You know, because th- there's so many reasons to buy locally as much as you can, um, for economy reasons, environmental reasons, freshness reasons, even. Uh, but yeah, everybody does it now, which is cool. But it was, sort of was like, okay, give us the credit, everybody. Like we really did do this. We were yeah. the pioneers a little bit of it. I won't say we don't care about sharing our vodka, but hey, we were the first <laughs> at this one. Yeah, uh, yeah. But but you mentioned um, like you buy your let's say your, did your bread come from the village bakery? No, we make it here. Okay, well that's I wasn't thinking that, but like 
when you locally source, do you ever worry about like, let's say it was a village bakery and their power went out and then all of a sudden you don't have bread? Yes, that would be Does a that, concern. does that happen? Well, anything that we can make in-house, we make in-house. So the only, the only things that we, we buy meat and we buy cheese and we buy vegetables and then we do our own thing with all of it pretty much. I mean, we buy wheat and rice and stuff and you can't get that necessarily locally. So some things we do have to buy from more commercial sources, but, um, No, anything that we can make here, salad dressing, salsa, pita bread. We don't make our own chips. Those are from Shagbark. Um, oh, my gosh. What if we couldn't have chips, though? That would be a disaster. That would be a disaster. Only thing worse <laughs> than that, it would be no salsa, right? yeah, and that's that's a deal breaker. <laughs> We would we would have to close. <laughs> gotcha. So when did uh, Casa move? Like, when Roz and I were there, there was, it was smaller. Yeah. And then, it, like, what, 10 years ago it got bigger? So, I, I don't know. uh, about 15 years ago, actually, we doubled the size of the cantina. So when I came to OU as a student, the bar was small. It was about half the size that it is now. And I remember coming the first couple times, and it was a small little bar, and then you go to the right into the restaurant rooms. And then um, when I was a student, I think it was like 2003 or 2004, um, like I said, my roommates always wanted to come for special occasions. And I remember coming in, and you come into the little bar, and the whole left wall is tarps. And you can just hear, like, construction. noises behind there um and then by the end of i think 2004 don't quote me on that but i think i'm not too far off even if i'm if i'm wrong i'm not too far off um then the bar was about double the size it is now or not double the size it is now it's the size it was the size that it is now double the size of what it was before Yes, <laughs> it's a nice big bar. yeah yeah <laughs> and you have live music uh-huh and stuff. yeah Yeah, how's we that going? It's good. We um, we have uh, open stage every Wednesday with Chris Beaster. Do you guys know Chris Beaster? Yes. Cool. That's funny because he kind of was our grade, right? Like, Yes, I, 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 uh, I kind of I, know him. Like, not really, like, I mean, we recognize and say hi when we were in college. But we, all, we had a bunch of mutual friends. But he, you knew him and all that crowd, right, Ross? yeah, I probably knew him better than you. And it's so Oh, funny for sure because you did. I saw him uh, mom's weekend. So my son is a, a sophomore and I went for mom's weekend because um, I didn't know how long he's going to live, you know, make it there. And I'm like, I better go freshman year just in case this doesn't happen Oh, I thought you were again. talking about Chris Beaster, like me. No, Chris At the Beaster's end. always there. So I saw Chris uh, at Tony's Friday night when I was with Emo. And my son wasn't there yet, but I was telling him how I was there for mom's weekend. I'm with my son. And uh, then Saturday night, I went to the Union and saw a Pink Floyd cover band, which Oh my is gosh, like and the they're perfect so thing good, aren't they? <laughs> to do with your son, you know. It's like we both like this music. And Beaster was there, and he ran into my son, and he was like, I, I, I know who this is. This is your son. Like, they met before they even went to me. Because Oh my he was gosh. like, I just, I just knew. I just knew it was your kid. That's awesome. And uh, so we hung out a little bit on the patio. It was nice. Cool. So, yeah, that's so cool. He's there every Wednesday night, Yep, huh? he's I didn't there know Wednesday that. nights. And then generally Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we have shows that start at about 10. And uh, Thursdays and Saturdays, we also usually have early shows. So like a six to eight or so, which are usually pretty packed because a lot of the, a lot of, you know, old time Athens residents don't want to go out at 10 o'clock for live music, including me. And I'm only 35. I like the, Right. I like the early show because then it's over at eight and I get to go home and do my normal thing. No, I'm Right. a, we we talked to the lady who played there before. She's like, yeah, I'm starting this whole series. Like, I'm playing at six o'clock. 
you know, like at places just to get yeah. you know, home in time. That's yeah, people that's, really you know, love the good that. Thing about Athens music too. Even when I was there, it seems like like I don't know. I guess at age and time, but there was always good bands, like good music in Athens, and. Uh, even now today, I, I go out and see a lot of bands, and some of them just are bad. Like even you know starting out, even like what would be college bands. But it seems like Athens, even the college bands were were good. Yeah, yeah. I, I like I said, I worked at the Blue Gator, and um, yeah, that place really will hold a special place in my heart forever. But that's what, a bar. That doesn't sound familiar. Like, I don't to know us. what that is either. No, it yeah. used to be, I guess, the Greenery or something like that. Ah, it was we up know the Greenery, <laughs> and then. Yeah, it was like a little farther down on court, and you would go upstairs, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, w- I wasn't sure if I was getting the name. We had an right. episode on uh, uh, Athens bars, and the greenery came up a lot. Oh, nice. It was kind of like the, the freshman bar, but it was a lot of people went there. Yeah, so they had live music a whole lot, and I spent a lot of time there. And Ohulis before it turned into Jackios, um, they had live music all the time too. And Casas just had live music. This, yeah. And the union and all that stuff. There's always been a great music scene here. And, you know, some shows are hit or miss. And you're not going to love everything you see, but you got to try them all. For right. Sure. Now yeah. I know about the Blue Gator. Thanks for cluing me in. Yeah, on it's called the Overhang <laughs> now, actually. It, clo- oh. it closed, uh, oh, I don't know how many years ago. It was a restaurant downstairs and then a bar and music spot upstairs. But then it closed and it sat vacant for a while. And now the it's a bar downstairs and apartments upstairs, of course. Boo. I know. <laughs> it was a bummer. But that place was really cool, too. Uh. Um, well, tell me about, like, Casa, big plans. Are they expanding? Because I would think there'd be – it's just everything seems to be perfect about it. Like, you're like, hey, we need to make one in Columbus. Or do people talk about that? Or is there – No, because we generally uh, – <laughs> you know, it's – we're open all the time, and um, we have sometimes trouble staffing the restaurant as it is because we're pretty lenient with time off. If you you know you want to go do something on the weekend, you just put in a request, and we pretty much say yes to as many things as we can. Um, and Good also, thing the dead's not touring. Like you'd lose everybody. Like yeah, if we were there. You would have lost half your staff. Yeah. Well, we still lose <laughs> Sherry most of the time if the dead or fish come anywhere near here, and that's okay. She's allowed to go do the things that she loves to do. <laughs> um, but because we don't own the space that we're in already, we don't own the building, um, and we've sort of piecemealed our expansions over the years. Um, we struggle with the space that we're in because we have two kitchens. We have a big prep area. We have a little small office in the middle of all that. And then we have a bigger office upstairs. Um, so we're sort of, we've sort of been struggling to like really uh, embrace the space that we're in before we can even think about whether it be a second location or expanding into a new space, even within the building. Although I don't think we have any opportunity to expand anymore within the building that we're in just because everyone else has been here for so long and we don't want to put anybody else out of business. Although if any of them were like, okay, we're done, we would snatch it up in a heartbeat, I think. Um, but yeah, we're just sort of Particularly if to... they had infused vodka, you'd be like, no, nope, see ya. Yeah. Yeah. We'd be like, okay, uh, give us your jars and get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think you got to stay local because that's the whole idea. Yeah. You know? I mean, there's is there any downside? Is, is 
I'm sure you offer health insurance just in the way you are. Does that work out well? Yeah, yeah. We offer health insurance to anyone who works 25. We just adhere to the state law, and I think it's 25 hours a week we have to offer it. Um, and, you know, there's other restaurants, whether corporate or locally owned or whatever, um, who their managers are really pressured to not offer part-time workers more than 20 hours a week so that they don't have to offer it to everybody. But we just offer it to everybody who wants to work. That's great. I worked at a place, uh, Bravo, when it became Brio. And I remember waiting tables after college and the guy offered health insurance. I'm like, well, that was awesome. Yeah. So I'm sure you guys probably did it day one. Yeah, we've been doing it for as long as I've been here, for sure. But, you know, now the law, I don't know if it's Ohio or if it's national, but you can stay on your parents' insurance until you're 27 or something like that now. So because we have a we have a lot of younger people working here, it's not a not everybody takes it, basically. See, I thought you could only stay on if you were in college. I think or it's you, something like that. I could I, be wrong. Other... You know, I, no, it's it's 26. Oh, yeah. 26. Gotcha. Yes. So I'm already warning my son. <laughs> you only have till 26. You have to get a real job. <laughs> you have to be out, of, be out of school by then at least. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, Casa is such a cool place. It's Do you guys get so to come cool back to learn often? more about it. Roz, you said you were just here for Mom's Weekend. I do. I'm an Athens junkie. Love it. <laughs> well, I live in Cleveland and I just always, my stepdaughter went there. Now my son went there. Uh, a lot of nieces and nephews, and uh, emo, so I have lots of excuses. Cool. I love it. <laughs> yes, it's a special place in my heart, for sure, and definitely Casa's uh, one of the most special places there, and thanks so much for you know, coming on and telling us more about it. Yeah, of course. It's funny, because I was talking to my coworkers just earlier today, and I said, I'm doing this podcast, and they said, what's it about? And I was like, you know, I'm not really sure what the angle is, but I have a lot I can talk about about CASA. So I'm just kind of down for whatever they want to know. But is your title at CASA like marketing coordinator? Marketing coordinator. Yeah. So I do all of our social media. See, that seems like that's a fun thing. Oh my gosh. I love it so much. I do stuff like this whenever anyone's like, Hey, I want to talk to someone about this. I'm like, I'll talk to anybody about anything. I also do all of our like merchandise ordering, like our t-shirts and everything, which I get just from Precision Imprint right around the corner, which is really cool. Cause who picks out the design? Is that group effort? Um, well, it's just our main big circular logo, like the Aztec calendar. So we pretty much just plaster that on as many things as we can. It does make it easy. Yeah, totally. All I have to do is go pick out colors, colors of T-shirts <laughs> yeah. and hats and stuff. And we have like pint glasses and tote bags. But that part of my job is maybe my favorite. I really love doing that. Do you ever had? Uh, you ever host podcasts? No, I never place? have. No. <laughs> we should oh my well, gosh you might be yeah. yeah it seems like a well we need to talk what a great idea yeah uh, well that that's fantastic any plans are you so you you said your husband's there so you're all set no yeah we uh you not know, that you need a husband to be happy but you know you're married it seems like you're putting down roots you said oh yeah we bought a house on the west side and got married four years ago and we kept saying like should we move somewhere I don't know. Should we? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Should we? I don't know. I would say no. No. Just quit Quit having that discussion. Yeah. Well, we haven't for a while because my brother's got two little kids and my husband's whole family lives here in Ohio. So, And if we're going to live in Ohio, we're going to live in Athens for sure. 
Yeah, that'd be tough to beat. Like, where else would you choose? Yeah, and a lot of a lot of it for me is like when I go home and visit my parents and stuff. Anywhere we go, we're in the car for like forty five minutes. Here, the farthest place I have to go from my house is the movie theater, which is you know hardly ever, and it's like twelve minutes if traffic's really bad. Well, just being able to walk around town. Yeah. But Roz does live on a lake, so that's kind of nice. Well, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if we could find the perfect yes, spot, but, but I've, I've, I've a lot point. of good things about living in Athens. Heck no, you got a great including job. Including low cost of living. I would living. imagine just like <laughs> that you're just feeling good about going to work too, because you're working with good people, and yeah. friends, and everyone's kind of uh, is in it for the common good. Totally, Mo- most of the time, yes. <laughs> gotcha. Was there any one thing that made you say, "Listen, I'm going to stay in Athens"? Because this is any what I like so much about it. Any one thing. Well, like something you couldn't live without. Part of working at Casa. Being a zero-waste committed business, um, we recycle everything we can. We compost everything we can. We get 25 compost buckets swapped out at least three times a week. And I think I would have a really hard time going anywhere else, even just a different job anywhere else, that didn't have the same commitment to environmental environmental, um, issues that I do and that Casa does. That's a big, big part of it for me. Even our, our straws are compostable. We compost everything we possibly can and we recycle everything. I mean, as a business, we take out at most like four bags of trash a day and I'm really proud of that. So that, that's great. As silly as it sounds to stay here for trash and recycling, it's a big part of, of, of who I am and why I stay here for sure. Yeah. So like no big big oil company jobs in your future. No way, absolutely not. No, actually, <laughs> I would Roz I would die. <laughs> well, Ross heard this story. Uh, I was graduating. And I didn't. I I was a senior. I didn't have enough credits, and I, I worked in this with this professor, and like I needed four credits, and so I came with a project to start recycling at OU, and I had a pickup truck, and I put bins in all the big classroom buildings, and I would drive around on. And I had a truck and go pick them up on every Friday and then take him out to the power plant, which they would recycle him. And that's how I was able to graduate because he gave me like six credits for doing that. That's awesome. Yeah. That was like, Oh yeah, this is a great idea. He said, think of something that's a good idea. And like, that's like, well, you guys don't recycle. Apparently that's going to be a big thing. And this is of course, you know, 1990. So it wasn't quite as big. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny that you say that because the guy who picks up our compost three times a week, um, we also have it around town right now, which is a newer program still. So he comes to my house and he picks up a compost bucket once a week and he comes to Casa and swaps out, like I said, like 20 or 25 three or four times a week. And he's like the happiest, most like fun, easygoing guy you'll ever see. He's like elbow deep in compost every single day. And he's like, the most nice, awesome, gracious guy you'll ever meet. His name's Travis. Big shout out to you, Travis. Yeah, <laughs> Living the dream. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. But what, where does he take it? Like, what does he do with the compound? He takes it to um, the center at AHRC, the Athens Hockey and Recycling Center, which is on, it's called like Industrial Drive in the Plains. And it's under this big, um, like really huge hoop house. Like it looks like an airplane hangar kind of. I've been out there twice and I really love how much I love the compost pile that's near me, but um, it's just a huge, it's not even as, considering as much as I know he picks up from just Casa alone, you would think that the pile would be way bigger, Um, but it's a 60-40 split of bulking agent, which he uses wood chips, and then food waste, and he, it's just him, single guy operation, I keep telling him they need to give him an give him an employee, hire someone else to help him out because it's a big job. 
but he he drives around in this little bobcat and he turns it and he rotates it and he moves it all around and then he the finished product gets sifted and tested by a lab and then given away or sold it's awesome that is fun. Yeah, that kind of does sound fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, for sure. Like, it's instant gratification for my short attention span. It, yeah. It's like, yeah, you're making the world a better place. A double shout out to Travis. Yeah. And it's not even, <laughs> it's not nearly as stinky as you would think it would be either. No. And once in a while, you probably find like a flower that's still got a, you know, still looks pretty. There's still pretty things in compost. Yeah. I imagine. Just like, you know, like, I know that's a weird thing to say, but like. No, yeah, absolutely. Sure happens, yeah. Well, thanks again, and uh, any any closing comments? Um, I guess CASA's been around for a while. We don't plan on going anywhere. Come see us, anybody who's out there listening to this, anytime you want to, and we'll give you a nice, as healthy as we can make it meal. There is cheese on almost everything, but it's good local cheese. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we look forward to serving you and talking to you and Stop at any time and ask any questions you want because we've got an interesting business model and an interesting space, and we've been here for a while. And you've sure been interesting about uh, on this episode, so thanks so much for joining. Yeah, thank you yes. guys so much for having me. This has been a real pleasure. It's my first podcast ever, so thank you. <laughs> thank you. Well, hey, I have um, a big green vine tattoo on my left arm. It's pretty distinctive. So next time either of you are here, just look for the green leafy vine tattoo and come say hi. Okay, I will. And tell Beaster I said hi when you see him. <laughs>